You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Last week we did a, we called it Tri-Church Sunday. I think every now and again it's really helpful to give people a marker to say, in, invite somebody to be part of what the Lord is doing here. Um, the number of people texted us this week, and they were like, oh, you weren't supposed to try another church. Um, but we were away on holiday, that's where we were. But we went and visited the guys at Edinburgh Vineyard. They've been a blessing to us over many years, and it's, it's great just to invest in this movement. So that's where we were. But um, we've been doing this series together that I've called Empowered Church. Just thought I'd say that if you're new in the room. But we, we're in the middle of, uh, for us personally, quite a busy season. We've got a number of things coming at us and I'd written today's talk and then I'd just not been able to shake this sense that maybe the Lord was trying to say something else or ask me to speak on something else. So whilst I believe in planning ahead, um, I also, and that the Lord can lead you through planning ahead, I also was just arrested by his presence, by the by the Spirit of God. And I want to listen to those gentle nudges and prompts. So uh, I always pray that the Lord speaks to me, and I always pray that the Lord speaks to you. But today is not what I planned. And so if you're with us maybe for the first time, I hope this is a word in season for you, maybe even if you listen to this later on. I also pray too that all of you have moments in your life where the Lord just grabs you. You know, and the Lord arrests you because we believe in a God who speaks to us and in whom we can have an active relationship. <clears throat> and the, the danger is that, that all of this just becomes kind of routine and religion. And without a doubt, there are seasons in life where sometimes it can be like left foot, right foot, keep going. And there are seasons in our faith where it may feel more vibrant. And there are times where maybe it feels like we're in a desert season and the Lord is shaping us and molding us. And we need to consistently, whatever the season be, seek in his face in season or out of season. But this, this last week, I've just felt the weight of his presence. And uh, it's quite hard to to describe that is, is a good thing, but it's also sometimes it's not an easy thing. And uh, equally, I don't want to speak out of my experience. I want to speak out of the truth of the Bible, but the truth of the Bible is often lived out in our experience, if that makes sense, because he writes his words on our hearts. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 16, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Hebrews 8, 10, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. It says the same thing. Then it says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And we need to be a people that allow time and space for him to be shaping us and the danger with any time like this when we come together is that we start to have this formulated time of input and it goes literally in one ear and out the other. There of course needs to be some form of structure because if you don't have structure, the no structure becomes the new structure and that becomes the new thing to wrestle with. But we wanna continually create environments where we're soft and we're sensitive to the Spirit of God, because we want him to be our God and we want to be his people. And for some of you who are newer in the room here, I just want to explain something that may be really helpful for you. Some of you may have heard this before, but I think this will be helpful. As a church in the vineyard movement, we use a centered set model, which informs our practice. I'm not going to say that is in any way better than others, or in any way I'm not trying to criticize others. I'm just really stating a fact 
because the, 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 the roots of this model that I'm going to try and explain are really born out of sociology. But we've taken a model and we've adapted it and we've used it to help people understand the people that we are. And so I just want to explain a little bit about a bounded set first so that you can understand a centered set, which is the people that we are. So let's see what we're not to try and understand what we are. In a bounded set, hopefully, there it is. In a, in a bounded set, you'll often have this like in out concept and and with that it's kind of like you're either right or you're wrong and the, the leadership is often centered on the leader and that leader will need to reinforce and enforce certain ways of behaving and it can easily be in those environments that you start to see a superstar emerge you can see why we're not that model but um, that that superstar um, when when it's played out at its absolute worst and it's kind of heartbreaking can often have very very little accountability and the, the boundary lines often need to be reinforced quite regularly. It can be quite exclusive, either you're in or you're out, you're right or you're wrong, and there is very little tolerance for you if you're wrong. And it can often lead to something that can become quite performance-based or performance-orientated. And the mindset can then start to be, well, here's what I think, here is what you, therefore, need to do about it. And people will fit in by doing what is required and fit in by doing it in the way that is required. And so if, if you want to feel valued, you, you're going to need to work fairly hard, you're going to need to be a good member, and you're going to need to fit within the boundary lines. And that structure in itself, explaining it that way, often leads to something that is quite hierarchical, because there are very strong principles of organisational and in institutional management. Relationships between people can often be quite parent-child. It's like, hey, listen, you need, you need to do this and you need to do it like this okay and the the form of reaching new people is kind of like actually we need to do this otherwise we're not going to survive we're going to have to do this because we need to survive so once you're in you're going to need to be kept at all costs so if you decide to leave that's kind of like a major issue and often if people do leave, it can become very personal and quite hurtful very, very quickly. Now, I realize I've just made something sound incredibly black and white, and I've spoken in remarkably stark terms about it, and I've also made something sound all bad. Um, because I've probably highlighted some of the issues. Honestly, it's not all bad. There are some incredible positives, and there are many, many churches that function in that way and function very healthily. And I'm not, as I said, I'm not seeking to, seeking to criticize others. Our brother is never our enemy, and I'm not trying to run others down. I just want to highlight that there are differences, because I want us to understand who we are. Because as you discover that and uncover that, hopefully it will give you freedom to understand how it is that you might find your place and therefore fully come alive. Because in the context of the vineyard, we operate in a highly flexible values-driven system. And people are really drawn towards a set of values where those values are placed at the center. And people are drawn um, through integration at various levels throughout that, through teams or, or leaders or people who carry some of those values. Now, most would say this, this, this is the way they want to do things. But actually, the reality is then in the practice, that often isn't the thing that is lived out. So one of the reasons I want to talk about this this morning is because to do it, we actually have to do it. It's all well and good talking about it, but actually we have to live this thing out. So the vision and the values are central 
and central to us is the kingdom of God. Of course, it's the king in the kingdom. Of course, it's ultimately Jesus. But we would see things through the lens of the kingdom of God. And that being something that we want to live out rather than just a theory. And leadership is a team effort rather than just uh, an individual thing. Yes, absolutely. Steph and I lead the church and we don't sidestep that or shirk away from that. But we try and empower others and we try and lead through example. And that is reinforcing those basic values that are facilitated through the life and the ministry of all that we do and accomplish together. Our small group leaders, therefore, carry significant weight in the life of the church. We're not seeking to have things that are just dependent on Steph and I. So much focus is actually therefore placed on someone's direction of travel i think you can see that in the diagram i'd often refer that to refer to that as the trajectory of discipleship if someone is journeying towards the values is somebody committed towards the thing to which we're committed to and the journey of the person is therefore very much dependent on the individual and it's inclusive. We allow people to integrate towards the center at their own pace and based on their own commitment to growth. And people can and often do change direction or decide this group actually isn't for them. And that's absolutely okay. People are treated, hopefully, as individuals with their own unique set of gifts and skills and a calling that needs investing in, and a calling that needs developing. People lead and belong out of their own personal relationship with Jesus, and that allows people to function within a body and a family without having to seek recognition of a leader or someone in authority. Now, I, I kind of just want to pause there and say, guys, for some of you, you may not fully realize that. I think that is actually all a major shift for a number of you. You don't have to know me. I don't hold the keys to you growing and developing. And it's, I say that quite lightly because honestly, it's not that I don't care. Honestly, I do care and I care deeply. But if things are to grow and things are to grow healthfully, you aren't held back by somebody else. Often I see people process this, this thing. It's like I need you to pray for me. And I don't necessarily mean me, but it can be somebody or one of the leaders or whoever it is. I need to have a conversation with you. And I was like, do you know what? Actually, you, you don't. And again, I don't mean that rudely. Again, it's not because we don't care. It's why when people think they do and they ask me, could, could you tell me such and such or when so-and-so is happening? And, and I have to say, like, I, actually, I don't know. And they're like, you're just kidding. And I can see them like with their you're just kidding face. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not. Because I don't know most of what we do. And I don't know a number of the things that are developing. And it's again, it's not because we don't care. But it's because we're either going to have control or we're going to have growth. And Steph and I only have a finger on the things that we need to have a finger on. And the rest we hope, would be empowered through others to go and get on with it. And they would take ownership and they would live out and serve out within the parameters of the vision and the values. And it's how we raise others, it's how we grow others, and it's how we stretch others. It's really, I think, actually the apprenticeship model that Jesus lived out and taught us so well in the Bible. And I hope generally among us, we would therefore start to develop adult-adult relationships rather than adult-child and that we would accept people for who they are and where they are 
and we try and empower them to take responsibility for their own lives and for them to individually grow into the maturity that God has for them. So our structure would be highly relational. We'd try and avoid hierarchical uh, thinking and structures and we'd develop things that are incredibly flexible and functional. And as we reach out to new people, it's not in order to survive, but it's because we love people and we want to help them have and know the life-empowering, life-changing relationship that we believe God has for them. We aren't trying to get people or keep people or control people. We're trying to accept and we're trying to relate and we're trying to process and nurture, equip and empower people. Now, you become part of that to the level to which you're connecting with others on the same journey towards the center. It's relational rather than structural. It's why we'd place so much emphasis on something like small groups as we seek to live out a similar uh, common set of values together. Commitment is really shown through a direction of travel. And commitment means loving. It means sharing. It means taking responsibility within relationships to continue with each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 kind of words a similar thing like this it says yes the body has many different parts not just one part if the foot says i'm not part of the body because i'm not a hand that does not make it any less part of the body and if an ear says i'm not part of the body because i'm not an eye would that make it any less part of the body if the whole body were an eye how would you hear or if the whole body were an ear how would you smell anything but our bodies have many parts and god has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot, can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we close with the, clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that an extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you are together Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. We are a body people and we're connected and we function as body. Connected actually means, I think, commitment. And we discover the fullness of who we are and we take responsibility for the well-being of those that we're in relationship with. Now, with all centered set thinking, one clear and obvious challenge, I think, comes out of it whenever you process something through that mindset. And it could be often this. We could be criticized for having a huge front door, but equally a huge back door. It's almost like it's easy come, but it's easy go which is almost like saying, actually, we don't care that you're here. I, I just want to say this. Oh, we do. We care deeply that you're here. But I think it's really important that we create environments where people can come and easily connect. But actually, if it's not right for them, that they don't feel trapped. They don't stay because they have to. And I would say to anybody who feels like that, honestly, 
please, please, please let us help you find the church that is right for you if this isn't it. But if it is it, help us to connect you with like-minded people within a value base that will bring you to life. And we need to then help you with everything within us to live that life out. We need to help you find a place where you're connected and a place where you can serve. I hear so many people say, well, but what is my calling? What is, what is the thing that I'm called to do? Personally, I, I've never worried so much about that because I know my marching orders and it's nothing more and it's nothing less than Christ, his church and his cause. And I give everything I've got to it. If, you, if you're struggling to know what's the thing you're about, honestly, I don't actually personally think it's sometimes more complicated than that. It's Christ and it's church and it's his cause. And hopefully that's where a centered set model is incredibly empowering because ultimately we believe that everybody will be better equipped to follow Jesus by owning their own direction of travel and doing the work of the kingdom. I hope that people get an opportunity to drink so, so deeply from the fountain in that process and in that journey that actually then the spoil for anything less than a full life of discipleship in a family of faith that is on a mission to the point that the complete orientation of their lives Everything about them, their job, their financial decisions, their spiritual considerations, all shift to the fullness of what Jesus has for them and that they find themselves in soil where they're able to live out the mandate on their life because relationships are so crucial to a centered set model. Now, sometimes we use models and I think it can be helpful or not helpful. Ultimately, we're trying to base everything that we do on the life and the teaching of Jesus. And I kind of think this is part of the thing that he lived out. I hope that in our time or your time with us, that we start to build up relational bridges between each other and that significant relational bridges are built in your life. And let's, let's be really honest, they don't just happen. Well, they, I know they haven't in my life. It takes a lot of time, which often in, in the culture that we currently live in, we don't really like because we prefer things to be a bit more instant. But it takes time and it takes commitment and it takes choosing to say yes to journeying life out together and alongside each other. And I hope that those relational bridges start to be able to carry significant weight. Have you ever crossed a bridge that has a weight limit? Okay, and it's, like, it's kind of like it would often say, or you'd see it somewhere, only cross this bridge if the vehicle you were driving is less than whatever tonnage it says. Now, it's kind of obvious, I think, why, why, they, why they have those warnings. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to patronize you, but I do actually want to labor the point. And the point is that if you exceed the warning, the bridge is going to potentially collapse. Well, the reason I want to labor that is because it's exactly the same as we move towards the center in a centered set. Moving towards the center means building up enough strength in the relational bridge that the relationship can start to carry weight. And the weight that it needs to at some point carry is the truth that is going to need to come across that bridge. Because the closer we move to the center, the greater the amount of truth that is going to start to come at us. Does that make sense? John 8 Verse 31 said this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
We often use the phrase, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. That's kind of a similar way of saying the same thing. The truth of the gospel demands changes to who you are and to how you're living. I don't, I don't say that to you. I say that as much to myself. The truth of the gospel demands changes to who you are and how you're living. Part of that process is facilitated through the building of relational bridges to allow it not to collapse and to allow us not to run a mile when the truth starts to come at you. Now, I know with everything within me that saying stuff like this, this is not a church growth strategy. You know, I know most people avoid stuff like this and conversations like this. It's a lot easier if I was just to say to you, hey, come as you are and stay as you are. That'd be so much easier. But honestly, that's just half the gospel. Because John 15, verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, there is a, there's quite a significant difference between cutting off and cutting back. For a branch to be fruitful, to remain fruitful, and to flourish, it often needs cutting a bit. The best thing often is in the short term is sometimes just to let something grow. But honestly, if we're in this for the long haul, discipleship is a long haul thing. And that involves pruning. And pruning often can be painful, but it causes and it produces growth. And we, we often, I think, get caught in this mindset of how do we, how do we have life? How do we explore everything that's on offer to us? How do we live how we like? No one gets to tell me how to live. I'm in charge of my life. But then we read the truth of the Bible, and it actually says, come and die, and come and do it his way, not our way, and come and prefer others and their needs over our needs. And again, I guess I want to say sorry, but actually not sorry, because... You, you, you could be in danger that you were saved on a deal. You know, I, I get to do this. And when I do this, I will get this. But what if you don't? Are you, are you then out? We have to build enough of a relational bridge in our walk with Jesus and our walk with each other that we start to allow the truth truck to carry enough weight to start shaping our discipleship can't quite believe I called it the truth truck, but that will probably stick in your heads because we're called to be disciples and we're called to follow him. You come as you are, but don't stay as you are because you come to Jesus. And as a result, I'm a different person to who I was, the way I handle my money, the way I view and live out marriage, the way I parent children. Actually, every area and everything about my life has changed and is changing. And I'm not the finished article. I'm not who I was, but I'm also not who I'm intended to be. And because we have a centered set, I think sometimes people, because of that, start to think, hey, in the vineyard, anything goes. And I guess if I'm honest, I kind of want to say no. 
that's just not the reality. I could throw so many phrases to try and explain that, but we have to grow up before we get old, or the way in is the way on, or you have to catch the fish before you clean the fish, or we'd probably run out of sound bites to explain it. But why does this all matter? Well, it all matters because to be an empowered church, we've got to think this stuff through. Because we need to be people who are moving towards Jesus and to be moving towards Jesus we need people around us to help us do that and that in itself in this culture and this day and age that promotes individualism is actually quite a challenge but for us to move forward we have to be aware that our brokenness often feeds into our defensiveness have you ever found that I said let me just say that again that our brokenness feeds into our defensiveness we get prickly and we often don't like to have other people around us who are actually seeking for us to be changed. But if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be discipled by him, which is ultimately what we're aiming for, it's not just a one-off decision. It's a lifetime of transformation. And to do that means that we're going to have to deal with some of our stuff. My lever and my leverage on this is not because we lead the church. It's not my opinion that is the lever. The lever, I think, and I hope, is the word of God. The word is supposed to challenge us and is supposed to change us. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We need correcting when we're wrong, which means sometimes we're wrong. And we need help to realize that sometimes we're wrong, which means also that we don't always realize it. Now, sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to patronize you. I'm just trying to help us get hold of what that verse means because Jesus and his truth is the only thing that is actually going to stand the test of time. We realize that everything else is changing and falls and crumbles so rapidly. But Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. I'm not neatly trying to fit in with the opinions of our culture or our time. I'm trying to align us to the truth of the Bible. And I've got to be honest, the Bible goes there. It's a subject matter that includes hundreds, if not a lot more, of very controversial topics. It's going to speak into your finances. It's going to speak into your sexuality. It's going to speak into your marriage. It's going to speak into how you relate and interact with others. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when they will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. To be an empowered church, to be an empowered people, we've got to get ourselves to the place where we can be used by God to serve him, his church, and his cause. Now, all of that said, I also want to say to you, don't wait until you're healed to do it. Honestly, I need you to know I'm broken, and I own my brokenness. I'm not trying to project my brokenness. I'm not trying to wound you with my brokenness. I'm not trying to let my brokenness spill out anywhere and everywhere 
but I do need to put my brokenness on the table before Jesus and I do share it with those that are close to me or speak into my life. And then with that in mind, I go left foot, right foot, and I get on with it because I'm a leader with a limp. You should actually be more worried if I didn't have a limp or I wasn't honest with that limp because we're all just walking wounded. And in the right places, we're honest and we're vulnerable with our struggles and challenges and we deal with them before Jesus and we move towards the center because that's where Jesus is. Not out of just trying to meet a need in ourselves or out of a quest for success or advancement or visibility. We don't need the God of our own making. We seek the suffering servant of the cross. Colossians 2 verse 6, and now Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. It's not about just a decision. Your faith isn't built on an event. It's keep going with it. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. We have to have a deep commitment to a relationship with Jesus and we have to develop an intimacy in prayer and worship and we have to grow in our understanding and our reading of the Bible and we have to have our character cultivated through serving and we have to be cultivated in community and relationship together and then we have to learn to live that out to live our faith out in the everyday, at uni, at work, at home, in whatever context you are, because we're people that are taught to follow and to practice the way of Jesus. You must continue to follow him, it says. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. What's what's your calling? What's your place? What's your role? I would always say Christ, his church, and his cause, and you can't have one without the other. If you look at the way Jesus related to people, look at the woman at the well, look at Zacchaeus up the tree, look at his own disciples, he welcomed them. There was no huge statement of, hey, you need to get your life in order first, then I will welcome you. They were allowed to belong first. When they were allowed to belong, it gave them the safety and the environment where they were able to believe. And when they believed, they started to change their behavior because it's belong, believe, behave. John 14, verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. Come and find him. Come and learn to love him. Come and see him for who he is. And then you cannot almost not want to do What Romans 12 verse 1 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Jesus encounters the woman at the well, John chapter 4. He asked her for a drink, verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never 
be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus isn't just offering her a drink. He's offering him life itself, which can only be found in him. John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him on the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the case of the woman at the well, he has such insight into her life that his welcome for her is so radical. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have five husbands and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. It breaks the norms of the day and it breaks the social rules and it breaks the relational rules for Jesus to speak to her and he calls out what's going on in her life. She has multiple relationships on the go and yet he doesn't leave us in the place where he finds us. Don't you love that? He accepts her and he loves her. But with the woman, Jesus forgives, who has a adulterous relationship in John 8. He says this in verse 11, go and sin no more. He calls us out and then he calls us in. In relationship with Jesus and in community with his people, lives can be transformed into the wholeness of what Jesus intends for us. And it's going to mean we regularly have to live in this place of tension. And I want us to know that and I want us to be ready for that. It's a bit messy in the place of tension. And we've got to learn to be comfortable with it. Remember the story of the prodigal son. It was actually the older brother who struggled with the embrace and acceptance of his brother, his younger brother that the father gave him. We just, because we accept somebody doesn't mean we celebrate the way we live it, their way they're living, but we still accept them. Our conviction though is never our condemnation because it's a radical welcome but it's also radical truth we're going to follow the voice and the leading of jesus and that of the scriptures rather than that of the culture of the day and the conversations of the day and where the tide of the river is actually getting stronger and so many people are getting caught up and swept into culture like with the woman at the well the kingdom offers a better story and we're seeking to reveal it and uncover it to people. And sometimes we've got to look beyond the distinctions and the labels that culture is making. And we've got to be willing and ready to be misunderstood and even criticized as Jesus was for his radical welcome. And yet also understand and learn to understand that we're not people who stay as we are. Jesus ac accepts us. And he has an expectation for growth. And we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2 verse 12, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to him. It's kind of complex, isn't it? That would be my summary. We have to realize that everyone is on their own journey and some are going to move faster than others. But let's be real about it. Many people will often mature more slowly than we would like. And we also have to recognize and wrestle with accepting people 
whose lives are going to be different to ours and may not change. And yet we can still make room for them in the church because there is a kingdom tension that we have to continually live in and walk out. It's neat and tidy in the graveyard, but it's incredibly messy in the nursery. And at times, we have to realize that to step into all that God has for us is actually really quite messy. But we're trying to open doors rather than build walls. In Jesus' day, the Samaritans were hated. It was shocking. It was scandalous. It was radical that Jesus made a Samaritan woman central to one of his stories. I don't know if you've ever watched The Chosen. If you haven't, honestly, you need to. Because it's about the life of Jesus and it's told through the eyes of the disciples and it's really quite beautiful. But there's this one scene where Jesus calls Matthew, Matthew, the tax collector. And let's just remember how scandalous that would have actually been to the other disciples. And so the other disciples scoff. And one of my favorite lines in the, in the, in the whole um, show, for want of a better word, is a simple conversation between Jesus and Simon, who's not yet called Peter. And as Jesus calls Matthew to follow him, Simon says, this is different. And Jesus says, yeah, get used to different. Get used to different. I think that would be my encouragement to us as a church, because at times it's going to feel uncomfortable. At times we will have to work out how to live in the tension of radical welcome and yet radical truth. And yet we'll always continually invite people to walk towards the center, having as few barriers and restrictions as possible in the ultimate knowledge that the more we, the more they see of Jesus, the more they'll be changed and the more they'll want to obey his commands. So let me finish by saying this. I long for your eyes to see Jesus. And when you see him, there's always more to see. And the more you see, the more you want to change. And the more you want to become like him and follow him and the way he lived and the way he asks us to live. But wherever you are on that journey, I just long that you'll keep finding ways to travel in rather than out. And I also accept, like in a game of chess, sometimes a backward move doesn't always mean you're actually not still moving forward. Sometimes it's actually just part of the pruning. But for us to be all God calls us to be, for us to be his people and for him to be our God, you need to take your place and you need to play your part in fully embracing Christ, his church and his cause. Don't sit on the sidelines and watch others. You're empowered to be part of this because the way in is actually the way on. Why don't we stand together? Let's just take a moment for our hearts to respond. We love to make space at the end of our mornings together to um, just allow the Holy Spirit to, to move among us and to, to speak to us, to minister to us. You might find it helpful just to 
Close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. I think sometimes just removing distraction is really helpful. As we posture our hearts and our minds, our attitudes towards him. If you're new here, you might find it a bit odd that we're standing here just waiting in silence. But we, we love to wait on the Holy Spirit. We do this with intention. And we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come move and work among us. In every single heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I think it's an interesting moment for for some of you this morning. I could almost see the presence of God resting on you, even during the talk, and I think you know it. This is like a crossroad moment. A couple of people this morning, as they came in, kind of, kind of bounding over to me in desperation to say, the Lord is trying to say something, and... One of, the, one of them was this, that he's got you in the palm of his hand. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Was that sense? The other one was that for, for a number of you here today, it's time to be with Jesus. This is a moment of choice. They were walking their dog this morning, almost as it was like the dog was looking back. And it's, it's, that, it's that moment of, this is the moment for you to be with Jesus, to choose to travel towards him to realise the love and acceptance of those around you it's not condemnation for some of you this is, this is like a family moment it's the realisation and the choice to be accepted to be loved to be embraced. So, so often when someone, I found this even in my own life, if, you, if you've had a challenging upbringing, sometimes you can try and reject others before they reject you. It's easier. But the way he calls us to is the complete reverse. Come and belong. There was a sense as well that someone here this morning with a uh, quite a significant pain in your left arm, almost between the wrist and the elbow, and whilst there's a physical thing, it's like the Lord's trying to also just get your attention afresh this morning. There was a similar word about um, uh, like a, a lack of freedom of movement in the left knee and that lower leg. 
there'll be a number of physical conditions that the Lord would want to minister to this morning. As we were worshipping, I was reminded of... Um the part in Matthew, Matthew 11, where it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my, my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And the two words that sort of struck me um, in particular, that God sort of impressed upon my heart in those two, two verses were, Come and take. He is our ever-present help. In times of need, he is, he is God, fully capable. But there is an action involved in these passage, in these these words. Jesus, come to me and take my yoke upon you. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Um, there'll be some of you who you just you know you you hold back, you hold yourself back, you feel resistant, you you just find it totally uncomfortable even to kind of make that physical act and step of, of coming to the, to the front to, to receive prayer. But I think um, it's not that something especially special happens when you come out to the front, but I think there is, there's action, isn't there? There's movement and there's a, a heart response that says, I, Lord, I need you. Be God. Be Lord of my life. And um, I want to encourage you, if... If there's anything you would like prayer for, anything you feel like you're, you need to respond over, it may be that you just you can tell that it's you because your heart's beating much faster and you're like, you know the Holy Spirit's kind of quickening your spirit. Um, so let's respond. Let's just see what God wants to do among us. If, uh, if you'd like to receive prayer, why don't you come up to the front? We'll make sure that someone in, in a small group in the life of the church will come and stand alongside you and pray for you. We love to make space to, to pray for one another, to come alongside each other and to see what God wants to do in our midst. Quite a number of people have come come forward for prayer. So if you are in a small group, I uh, would love to invite you to come and and join them. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.